Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Out Tommy Troy. Average up to 325. Liner to center. Balls in front of Isaiah Ortega-Jones. Tommy Troy extends a hitting streak to 10 games. There's a ball driven deep to left off the bat of Tommy Troy. It is long gone. That ball was hammered. Second home run for Troy. And Stanford is putting this one away. It's 10 2. Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host. My partnering from my brother, from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, Randy's got the night off, but that's not going to stop us from traveling out west because we got episode 14 titled Championship Ambitions because we got Stanford baseball star Tommy Troy joining us, and that's what they got, Championship Ambitions. They're wanting to repeat on their runs to Omaha and really – Finish the job and, and, and hoist the trophy, dogpile, do it all, man. So let's get to it, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, Stanford baseball star Tommy Troy. All right, Tommy, our man, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Good to see you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Our first athlete from Stanford. But with that, man, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, we're going to do some icebreaker questions, find out about you. And, you know, we're going to judge all of Stanford and Palo Alto based upon your answers. So no pressure here. You know, don't don't make everybody else look bad, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to start, man. You know, West Coast, you know, who's your favorite musician or band? Mm, that's a tough one. Um, I kind of mix around with genres. I mean, I'll, I'll go like hip hop to EDM back and forth. Um, right now, right now I'm going to have to go with Yeet right now. I'm, I'm kind of loving it right now. You're a but, breath of fresh air, Tommy, because we've been around the SEC a lot. And a lot of these guys, country is their thing. And it is not mine and Daniel's thing. And so we try to relate to them the best we can. But for the most part, we just really can't. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this uh what what song if you had to pick a song right now you're going in to do bp what's the song that you're listening to that's a good one um shoot that's tough uh well i mean i got i gotta go with my walk-up songs like i got right now i got the second half of rich flex by drake i love i love that part of the song so i made that my walk-up song and then the song talk by yeet um, I think both of those kind of kind of fit my vibe, like that little little hype up song, get me going. I, I always have that. So. That's the first edit that we're gonna have to do right there. So <laughs> Man, I was like, "What are you doing?" The song, the song, the song starts off like that, and then it, the beat actually drops. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think he's ever ran into that. Usually, he plays a song and it, it always makes the guests laugh. But uh, yeah, that was a little different. But I mean, I I honestly that was like impromptu i had no idea what i hadn't i've never heard that song so so um, to our listeners there's going to be an edit out that's not going to make sense but it's going to be because daniel tried to play a song that was inappropriate for children <laughs> that's all good you know what we should do we should just put the e next to the the episode and just call it call it a rap and no because there's kids out there they're gonna listen they want to be like tommy and they're gonna hear that off the rip and they're like what am i listening to and then their parents are gonna find out so anyway moving on let's let's find out let's find out what tommy likes as far as movies what's your favorite movie tommy mm. gotta go with interstellar Ooh, that's deep bro love wow. that one God, you really are from Stanford. My my goodness. That, that movie, I had to think way – it's an amazing movie, but I had to think way too much. So do you have a – you know, you're a baseball guy, so I know there's so many good baseball movies. you got to have a baseball movie that's, like, your favorite. Yeah. Major League Two. Oh, yes. Daniel, your guy. Daniel's a Major League guy all the way. Oh, for sure. 
I'm I'm, I'm like the kid. Like I I, I got to have like the Sandlots and the and the rookie yeah. of the years of the world. I do I do like the the other movies, major leagues. I like the Money Balls, but I don't know, man. You I'm a kid at heart. I, I always love the the kid ones. <laughs> so for you, speaking of as a kid, you know who was your favorite athlete growing up that you looked to? Growing up, I'd say I'd say it was between like Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. I mean, my uh, my dad's from New York, so I've always, I've grown up being a Yankees fan, and I I looked up to like those two guys a ton growing up. I love the way they play. I don't. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those two guys. Um, some will debate you on a rod, but definitely there's there's no mistaking um, the impact Derek Jeter had on the game. So um, I, I like it. I like it, man. But, you know, Tommy, let, let's let's go back. Let's let's start the story from the beginning, because I always feel like the beginning is a good place to start. So tell me a little bit about, you know, where where you're from and where you grew up. So I grew up um, in California, um, first off Morgan Hill until I was around 10 or 11 years old. Then I moved to Los Gatos and then went to middle school and high school there. Um, and then going to Stanford, I wanted to go somewhere close to home. But as soon as I graduated high school, my parents both moved to uh, North Carolina over in Topsail Beach. So that's where home is now, about 3,000 away. <laughs> Man, that's that's a quite the the mileage in between that yeah. where you're at and where they're at. But you know, let's let's talk about them. Let's dig in a little bit on on mom and dad. Um, I uh, grew up mom and dad they're together. Um, brothers, sisters in, in the mix as well. I do. I have an older sister and then an older half brother. All right. So talk to me, like as far as ages, how much older are they? Are we talking about like where they're old enough to where like the relationship isn't like super competitive and like you guys aren't going at it. They're just kind of older doing their own thing. You're kind of doing your own thing. Or is it like close enough to where you guys are, are, are really getting at getting after it, like growing up? Yeah. So my sister is two years older than me and we're super close, always been super close. We don't really get in any fights or anything, even growing up. Um, my half brother, he's like six years older than me. Wasn't really that close to him. Um, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I mean, like, I'm all, I'm always I'm a big I'm a big family guy, so yeah. So your your sister being a couple years older than you, you guys have a pretty pretty solid relationship, I I, I assume, right? Yes. Yeah, so is she an athlete as well? She used to be. Um, in high school, she was a really good gymnast, um, and she was getting offers from top programs in the country and then uh going into her junior year she's on her like sixth surgery um just because she was just battling injuries this and that and it kind of just didn't become worth it anymore just continually pushing through injuries so she she ended up quitting and moving on to other things but she was a crazy competitor um i learned a ton from her growing up watching her practice and watching her work her butt off um learned yeah she, she's a just as competitive as me with everything um, I look up to her a lot. We we've had many gymnasts on the show, and we, Jim and I, we say it all the time. We feel like gymnasts are probably the best overall athletes that we have on the show. So I agree. you know, I got to thinking, Daniel. You know, we always say the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball, but you know, watching some of these gymnasts and the things they do, I don't know, man. Sticking some of those things off the ball or staying on that beam, I don't know. It might be equally as hard. Yeah, I mean, in, in their own rights, I'm sure, like, there's there's a, a group of people that will say one thing and a group of people that will say another. But as far as, like, the actual complexity of the skill, it's got to be gymnastics because there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, when you break down the simple principles of baseball, it's throwing, catching, and hitting. Like, that's it. There's so many more things, jumping, moving, landing, all in coordination, symmetry, mobility, flexibility, strength, all that stuff that goes into gym gymnastics that you don't necessarily have to have in baseball. But 
I mean, I, I can't. I've never done gymnastics, so I can't really say. So hitting, I don't know. Tommy hit, hitting a baseball able, is the hardest thing to me. Tommy might be able to do a backflip while catching a ball. You don't know. I bet, Maybe. I bet he I could. Bet he could. <laughs> um. So with that, growing up, who who was the better athlete, you or your sister? Well, growing up, she she got more of the attention um, regarding the athletics and stuff. Um, and then once like we both got to high school. Um, I started becoming a lot better at baseball, so it kind of evened out. And then, obviously, as soon as she quit, obviously, I took over. But she's she's a fierce competitor. It's so awesome watching her compete. Yeah, for sure. So were you a multi-sport athlete, or was it strictly just baseball? The, re- the reason I ask is because there it just really, like, like I, I'm located in Florida, so a lot of guys are very sports-specific, and they can play year-round sports, so they kind of – trend to play one sport only but i don't know with the weather being what it is in cali it might be sort of the same yeah i mean well up until high school i was playing a bunch of different sports i grew up doing mixed martial arts so i got my black belt and then quit that and then did basketball tackle football all the way through middle school just for fun and then once high school came around i'm gonna started getting offers and this and that i just focused on baseball and just um, like that, Daniel, no longer is Trey Lipscomb the baddest baseball player we've had on here. Nobody's messing with Tommy Troy, bro. It's a black belt. Uh, Tommy, I, I, I got to ask, is it's so strange. Like, you said it so nonchalant. I got my black belt, you know, no big deal, and then I just quit. Is it like, I feel like, yeah, like, what else do you do once you become a black belt? Like, I guess you could become multiple degree black belt. Yeah. But at, at that a- point, it's like. What, what, yeah. what is what's the need for all that yeah I, I mean like that was a honestly that was probably one of the most important things i did early on um going into my teenage years was doing that just just teaching you discipline and just having control over your body and toughness this and that i feel like that was really really good for me early on so your teammates know not to mess with you right like you still i know you still oh, do it. yeah i can still do some some cool stuff <laughs> well clearly you know baseball becomes serious for you um you know you you were you competed on usa baseball's 20 you know in 2016 the 14u national development team program um what was an experience like that like i mean when you start putting um national team usa in the same you know category like that's a big deal man like tell me a little bit about that experience yeah, that, that was like the first time I really kind of realized like, you know, like I should t- start taking the sport seriously when I when I made that team and I was out there playing with, you know, the best guys in the country. And I was like, you know, like I can hang with these guys like I'm just as good as these guys, you know, and it kind of just let that fire in my stomach to keep working hard. I um, just put my head to the grindstone that that I'll never forget that experience. Just a week out there in Cary, North Carolina um, with all those guys and, you know, meeting a bunch of people. Um, playing at that high of a level um, was super, super good experience. Yeah, I mean, every athlete we talk to, we we ask the question, you know, like when did you feel like you were on that level and you know trending to be an elite level athlete? And everybody has that one particular instance. So I, I guess this particular time in your life is where you felt as though you kind of belonged in that upper echelon, and you're like could see yourself doing this at a high level um so tell me a little bit i mean obviously that's a that's a quite the experience and that's probably something that comes outside of um you know like just a typical league it's it's probably a travel team that you that gets you hooked up there a tryout or something um but I want to, you know, hone in first on high school. Did you play high school baseball? And if so, what high school did you go to? I went to Los Gatos High School, and I just played baseball um, year-round there every year. Didn't didn't really play any other sports. Um, I mean, like, I loved basketball, so I just I got my uh, uh, basketball in over at the Bay Club pretty much every day <laughs> in high school. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this: Can you hoop? For I real, mean, like for, for real, so like re, I, like I got bunnies. I have some bunnies, and I can move around. I can create some shots, play make a little bit. I'm not gonna front and say I'm amazing at it, but I play well, a little uh, bit. Well, thank you, thank you for being honest, because we have <laughs> we have dudes that come on this show, man, and and 
they always say it, it, it and I can like feel this line coming and and I I I just chuckle to myself every time I hear it they're like yeah I played multiple sports basketball this and that and then I ask the follow up just like I asked you I go well you know how good at basketball are you and then they always without fail go well this one time I did this if somebody ever tells you about that one time they did something yeah. they, they're not good at it they're not right. good they, yeah. that's that's what they're hanging their hat on so but you know come to find out some of the guys can play a little bit but most of them are, are really really stretching the truth when they say they can still play <laughs> um, some, some people got a little bit of ego oh yeah <laughs> oh yes i mean you know how it is man when you play yeah. high level division one baseball like you almost have to like you have to like breathe and live that ego because whether you have one or not it's it's going to be around you so you almost have to develop it um, well the best yep. daniel is when we have guests on who start talking smack to each other about how they'll play basketball but then tommy then they'll break it that coach won't let them play basketball so it's easy to talk smack when you actually can't go out there and do it yeah true so true. los uh i, I want to call it los gatos but yep. um is that is that right that's how you, that's how right. you say it yeah um Male Athlete of the Year 2020 led your team to the 2018 Central Coast runner-up finish. Uh, you were perfect game and on national list, um, you know, all kinds of travel ball. You know, talk to me a little bit about high school and like what what were some of your favorite moments? Yeah, um, high school was a lot of ups and downs. I mean, I had I had a really good time in high school. Um, that, that was just kind of where I was just kind of trying to figure out my game um just like it just felt like I was like fluctuating with different weights and different play styles almost um but kind of towards the end of high school I kind of just figured out how I'm supposed to play um I, I worked my butt off just um getting a bunch faster and stuff and just trying to impact the game in many ways as I could um so I feel like kind of leading up to like that junior senior year um was really just refining everything um for how like what type of baseball player i wanted to be and then oh. sorry favorite favorite moment would probably be sophomore year um ccs um championship game that was even though we lost we played a, a really good game it was a dog fight so yeah so i when we do the research we, we look at obviously some high school stuff but we get you know your your travel ball stuff as well um complete you, well you competed for zoots that's 2016 17 norcal mm -hmm. in 2018 and then the california club baseball in 2019 um at that travel ball level talk to me about the talent that you faced and and how did playing for those teams help make you a better player zeus was really competitive um yeah so, yeah, that travel team was really good. We always played really good teams. We always tried to play up um, in age as well. So I feel like that was a really good opportunity early on. That helped me a lot um, adjust and kind of get ahead of the game and know what I need to work on, know what I, what I need to get better at. The coaching staff was also really good um, with, like, John Zuber, um, Joe Betancourt. Those guys were really good mentors early on um, in my baseball career. So, yeah. So – what was the need to play for three different teams? Uh, you're talking like Zoots, NorCal. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess just with like costs and just like the amount of um, traveling I wanted to do. Um, I mean, like, I always like like try, trying to stay loyal to certain teams, but just like it was mainly Zoots, and then I switched to NorCal, and then when NorCal wasn't playing. Um, or if I wanted to get some extra at bats locally, I would do CCB. So like that's kind of yeah. That's what that's what I figured. I think it was just you know the you had the opportunity to continue playing for different people, so you just took advantage of the yeah. ability to do so. Which I mean, at that at that point, if you're feeling good and you're healthy, man, you just it's almost you got to man. You got to stay on top of the curve. You gotta gotta keep yourself fresh, but also just keep yourself sharp because you never know um you never know when that 
person is going to be watching. You never know when that school is going to call and say, hey, we're going to be here. We want to check you out. Um, you know, even so much that you, you know, every article that we read, it's, you know, it, it talks about you dreaming, dreaming to go to Stanford. Um, so with that, did you get any op offers or any looks or was there any thought in your head to choose someone other than Stanford? Um, I, I mean, I definitely had other looks um, and other offers going on um, leading up to Stanford, but Stanford was like my main train of thought and what I was working really hard towards because I had to get a certain GPA um, my sophomore year of high school to even get offered. So I kind of just put everything else aside and was just really focusing on that to see if I could do it. Um, because before then, before sophomore year, I really didn't prioritize um, academics too much. Like I wasn't like getting bad grades, but I wasn't really challenging myself with AP classes and honor stuff. So like sophomore year, I had to take an AP class. It was like AP European history. And that was, was it, like, was it like a, like a, a shock to the system when you start going, Oh man, I want to go to Stanford. Let me see what I need to do. And then you go, Oh shoot. That's yeah. what I need to do. That, man, it was that's... a shock to the system. A hundred percent. I definitely re like had to rethink it multiple times, but I just told myself I was going to make it happen and go through it. And then after going through sophomore year, taking one, I had to do junior year, take three more AP classes, and then senior year, take four more um, AP and honors. Um, I mean, like I, I kind of built myself up um, pretty well, and I challenged myself, and it, it, it feels really good now that it's paid off and, you know, that I'm at this school now. Definitely. So – what was it about Stanford? Was it just because you always dreamed to go there or was it a particular person and experience? What was it where Stanford was your school? It was, it was a, a multitude of things. I mean, firstly, it was close to home at the time. I thought that was really important. Um, uh, another thing was uh, just, just obviously the academics were amazing. Um, at the time I was committing, the baseball program was doing really well. And I loved the coaching staff. Um, like Thomas Eager and David Esker initially offered me freshman year at Cal Berkeley. Um, but then after my freshman year, they moved over to Stanford. And I really loved that coaching. I love those two guys. And I was like, dude, like they moved here. Like this is dream come true. I always love Stanford. And they just told me straight up how I was going to go. How, if, if the offer is going to roll over, I'd have to um, improve um, some things on the academic side. So, yeah, it was just really just a multitude of things that kind of just made Stanford my dream school. I remember like when I was nine years old, nine or 10 years old, I played from for this little Stanford club team and we got to practice on that field. So I kind of got a feel from it for that field at a really young age and really kind of uh, sparked that love for that school. Yeah, so no doubt when you dream about going to a school and you talk about that when you're nine years old, when you officially get to campus, you're you're enrolled, you're a student, you're going to be playing baseball there. What are the emotions like when it becomes real? It didn't really feel real probably until I actually got to go to in-person classes because freshman year, everything was really online and it was really hard to get organized. I struggled a little bit uh, first first freshman quarter. Um, but then when we finally got to go, um, to classes, that's when it kind of sunk in and like biking to class and showing up and like taking notes, um, and challenging yourself with hard classes. I feel like that's when it kind of finally kicked in. You're like, damn, like I'm in this, you know, and I'm, I'm doing it. Yep. So you're on like this video zoom right now, I bet you had a lot of classes. You got tired of being in front of a laptop, didn't you? Oh my gosh. I, 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 would never want to do online school again. <laughs> it's the worst. You don't, it's so much harder to learn. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So at freshman season, you played in 49 games, starting 39 while hitting 247, 29 runs scored, six doubles, 10 home runs, 28 RBIs. Um, what I love reading about you is you're the ultimate team guy, man. You literally play any position on the field ass. So, you know, with that, uh, freshman year was – we're going to get into uh, specifics of games and the, and the team, but, you know, just for what you were thinking individually, um, did it meet expectations? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like just from the start, I just noticed the culture of the team and how close everybody was. And just, you know, I just love that 
team atmosphere. Everyone has so much energy. Everyone wants the same thing. So like that was just kind of the first time being introduced to that, you know, where everyone's just wanting wanting to win a national championship and we're working super hard to get there. Um, so that was really awesome. You know, like freshman year, I was super mature. I'm just going up there, swinging as hard as I can, you know. Uh, so it was definitely a, a learning experience freshman year. Uh, That's where the 247 average came in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just no, don't worry. We go, we go get to the next season where it takes a tremendous. No. <laughs> so, so team goes 39 and 17. Um, you end up hosting regionals, um, you know, what was that environment like, man? Um, where first of all, you talk about coming from that COVID season when it got to regionals, were y'all allowed to have a full capacity stadium? Nope. Five percent, oh. and it was kind of brutal. Oh. We we lowest atmosphere for a regional game <laughs> my freshman year. Well, that's a that's a shame because you wasted no time. Um, you you hit a home run to open up the scoring on North Dakota State. So I mean, you know, you get to regionals, even though it doesn't have the atmosphere you'd like. I mean, what's it like in in your first regional game going up there, putting the first run on the board for Stanford? That felt really good because um, I was kind of in and out of the lineup before that. So when I did that, it just felt really good. You know, I can get these guys going and, and making an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, y'all take care of business and move on to play Texas Tech. Tell me they didn't get to have a full house on y'all. They were packed. Oh, that's not even they cool. Were <laughs> they were packed. 8,000, and it was all 8,000 yelling at you. And I, I loved it. That was, like, my first time in a stadium like that where everyone's talking smack to you. I'm on deck, and people are chirping me, searching stuff up on my social media. Oh, it was great. I loved it. So it felt really good shoving the bat up the their butt <laughs> and, that's, and that's what i say daniel isn't it nothing better they don't get to have a, a full crowd they go to texas tech and they are able to have a full crowd and like he just said i mean they absolutely railroaded them um beat the tar out of them so what what was it like man the emotions you talked about expectations you come to stanford um to compete for championships and here it is it's surreal man freshman year um y'all take care of business and super regional on the road and punch your ticket to omaha yeah, that felt good. I mean, going into that series, like, we were the underdog and everyone was expecting us to lose. So we were just relaxed. I mean, like, at that time, it was Texas Tech who, you know, they were the ones that were nervous and, you know, had the expectation to win. So we were just out there playing loose and competed really well. I mean, obviously, our Friday, Saturday guys were electric. Uh, Brandon Beck and um, Alex Williams just – I mean, we used three pitchers in two games – it was just, yeah, it was unreal pitching. And then just all of our bats showed up. I remember Brock hit three home runs. Um, game two um, pretty much sealed the deal. So yeah. it was really awesome. That, that Brock guy is pretty good, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all, y'all, you know, get to Omaha. I actually, you came on my radar because I don't get to, we don't, you know, me and Daniel talk about it. Um West Coast games are on so late here. We don't get to watch them, then network coverage, all that. So we don't get to see much, too much of Stanford baseball. But I was in Omaha, um, got to see y'all play against Arizona, and I happened to be in the left field section when you hit that home run to left center. So um, I became familiar with you during that game. And so obviously Omaha, y'all come up short, but talk about y'all did get a win over Arizona. You did get to hit that home run. And overall, you did get to experience Omaha. So just, you know, talk touch on that a little bit, just how cool the experience was, even though you guys came up short. Yeah, I mean, just looking back on it kind of leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, just thinking about, you know, what could have happened if we won that uh that game against Vanderbilt for how close that game was. Um, you know, I feel like we really had a shot, you know, just with the whole thing that went on with NC State because we would end up playing NC State with half their roster, you know, and half their pitching, and then we, we would have moved on to Mississippi State having uh, an extra day of rest. Um, yeah, looking back on that, it's just really, really interesting to see what how it would have played out. But, I mean, that was freshman year, being able to, to do that was just such an awesome experience, um, especially being able to hit a bomb there too um, to kind of put the dagger in in the third inning or whatever it was, um, that was really cool to get a win there and uh, make an impact um, for the team. Well, Tommy, I, I hate it for you guys, but it, it's a it's a blessing in disguise. I'll move this screen up. You can see that bell back there. My son is a diehard state fan, and Omaha he considers to be uh, 2021 to be the greatest trip of his life. And so had y'all 
had it go a different way, and then y'all beat Mississippi State, you would have ru- you would have ruined it for him. So kind of <laughs> glad it went the way it did. I hate it for you, man, but that, that's my kid, and man, he he loved every every bit of it. He believes maroon, which is crazy because I'm an LSU fan. It doesn't even make sense, but you know, it's what it just, is. Kids will be kids. Just just think, had that like had Stanford played State, and let's say Tommy hits a home run, like Tommy, his son. You could be his son's favorite player right now. Or he could be the most hated player. <laughs> Remember oh, what yeah. he did to Dylan Cruz? Tommy, my son stiff Dylan Cruz for hitting the game running home run in Starville. After the game, I was meeting up with them. He literally you know goes to give him a fist bump. He pulls back and tells him, Hail State. And I looked at my son disgusted. I was like, Oh my Cruz. God. Good for him, though. That he's yeah. got that. He's, he's loyal. He's loyal. There's no doubt. So. <laughs> Let's get to sophomore season because you know we talked about that two forty seven batting average man, but you jumped it up to three thirty nine with thirty four runs scored, fifteen doubles, three triples, seven home runs, twenty three RBIs while playing in fifty five games in which you started forty six. What did you do in that off season that really helped? I know you said you were just hacking away during that freshman season, but obviously you had to have changed something in your approach and coming to the plate to go, you know basically almost 100 points higher in your batting average i mean dude sophomore year i I would call that a roller coaster for sure i mean starting off the season that first month uh i i barely could hit to be honest i I feel like i really struggled that first month and then um got out of the lineup for like a weekend and then came back in the lineup um, finally started playing well and then um sprained my ankle super bad during practice about um a third of the way through um, during like a bunt coverage when I'm at second base. <laughs> um, so that, that put me out for shoot about two, two weeks or so. Um, and that, and that time I was probably hitting like 220, 220 with no home runs. Um, so I was pretty much out of the lineup then. So from that point on or about a third way through the season, I had to work um, back in the lineup Um while being injured, I remember we went to UCLA a couple weeks um, after that, and I was pinch hitting. And after I get a hit, I'd limp to first, and they pinch run for me. So like that was like kind of how I had to work back in the lineup that way. And then I finally got a chance um, to get back in there a couple weeks after that, and I just kind of ran with it. And I feel like that time away uh, from baseball, being out of the lineup with all those expectations leading up into the season, um, really just kind of maybe look at baseball from a different perspective, you know, that, you know, it's, it's not everything. It doesn't have to be everything about your life. You know, you can separate your life from baseball and just go out there and, and play and have fun. You know, it's a privilege. You're able to be on a field like that um, and compete with all of your brothers around you. So I feel like that's what kind of allowed me to really get into it after that. I mean, if you were to go over statistics from how I hit before my ankle injury to after, um, it'd be, it's, uh, I remember I did the math. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm um, just showing, you know, how, what just relaxing and having fun does to your, to your game. Let me ask you like, this. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. I was going to say, um, you know, didn't you play, uh, for the Gateman in the Cape that summer? Did that help you at all? Um, you know, just having fun over the summer playing in the Cape? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I ended up playing pretty well in the Cape. Um, and I feel like that, gave me some confidence um, going into the season, maybe a little bit too much pressure on myself, which probably caused me to struggle a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. Was, uh, was Cameron James on that team with you? He was. Same with Kellen. Yeah. I was going to say, well, no, I I was not even just, just uh, Cameron about half that team, Daniel, I was, I was looking at the roster. It's hard because some of the guys, including yourself, I know that you played for them, but the roster, because the guys who came, from Omaha aren't weren't on the original roster. So, but I was pretty sure that was Cameron's team. Um, about half your roster from that team has actually been guests on the show. Small, it really shows the small community or whatever. And uh, I know a lot of guys said uh, that the the Cape helped them out. I think Kellum struggled pretty bad though, uh, if I remember correctly. But yeah, now what was uh? Let me ask about that. We like to ask guys, man. Uh, we we always watched the movie Summer Catch when we were in high school. Um, and so the Cape was seen as like this really awesome, glorious place. Like, did did it live up to the expectations that you that you were hoping for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, aside from being in Wareham, um, I mean, like, <laughs> I feel like that's not the best. It's not the best area of the Cape. 
Um, I mean, but I mean, that summer vibe, it's, I mean, like talking to my other teammates who are in the Northwoods, um, it's so much better. I mean, like the longest bus ride you got to take is an hour if there's traffic and stuff. Um, but I mean, like we, our situation was a little bit different when I was at Wareham. We, we were all living in like a dorm about like 30 minutes away from the field. So it was a lot different than um, my second year experience over at Katuit. But I mean, it was still fun. Like the like feels like Orleans or um, like uh, Hyannis or just like like all those other fields, like such a cool summer of all vibe where people are like lying out in the grass, just to, like like over at Orleans. I remember there's probably like a few thousand people there and they're all lying on the grass. It's just such a cool summer of all vibe for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Dana, you got a baby on the way, so obviously you're going to be busy here soon. But, I mean, are we going to make a trip to the Cape one summer, bro? I mean, yeah. I mean, we watched yeah, that movie a thousand times in high school, dude. We got to at some point. Yeah, I mean, it looks like we got to get Tommy to be our uh, our trip guide because he knows where where's good, where's bad, what feels yeah, good. Yeah, his first season was apparently in the uh, the Memphis region where we're from, you know, sounded, sounded like it was a little rough. <laughs> so back it's not as great as the rest of the Cape. I, you know, and that tells us what we don't know, because usually when we talk to guys about the Cape, they don't say that there's different areas where it's better or not. They just kind of talk about the baseball. So you you educated us on something that we didn't know. There's a, there's the different parts. So Earth. We'll definitely get your take on where not to go. But back to back to Stanford. Sorry, I went on sidetrack, but I got to thinking about that because I saw the picture that you had played and I started thinking about who all was on that team and who's been on this show. But yeah. uh so that team went 47 and 18, Pac 12 champs. So clearly a team on a mission, like you said, had a bitter taste in your mouth from Omaha the year before. Um, let's start with Round Rock, man. That's where y'all jumped right back on my radar. Obviously, Stanford's always on the radar. Um, but you know, y'all go win that tourney. Y'all beat Arkan number two ranked Arkansas in a game which you went three for four. You know, coming into the season, you always feel like you can achieve anything. But going into Round Rock and especially beating the team that that starts off the season number two, I mean, was it then that y'all said, you know what, we're fixing to make another run back to Omaha and do this thing? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously it was a, a new team and we always like, you know, we always like to kind of, get those expectations out of our head, you know, like the, our rankings this year is because of last year's team. Like we always try to look at it that way. And, you know, like this is a brand new team and we got to look at it that way and we got to prove ourselves and we just got to go out there and compete and have fun. Um, so I feel like, but like definitely that year before for the returning guys, definitely uh, losing in Omaha left a bad taste in our mouth. And we wanted to get back there and give it another shot. Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like those rankings, man, like, and, and we'll get to – or Daniel will get to this year here soon. But, I mean, I think it just speaks to the volume of the program because Stanford has become a team that is, is a perennial Omaha team. And so the expectations are there now. And, and that's the very reason why you went there. So, like, it, it's it's a good thing. So, you guys obviously, like I said, uh, win the Pac-12 championship, end up being regional and super regional hosts. Did it feel – different this time especially with the fact that you won um your conference and that you knew you were going to be host the whole way through it did feel different um definitely uh i mean just just going into regionals and like being able to host both of those definitely changed the path i feel like we had an easier path um it's still it still ended up being kind of a grind you know having to play all five for regional and then all three for super regional um but we definitely had a lot of confidence going into the College World Series. And, you know, I'm it's just I'm surprised it ended up not working out um, once we got there and we ended up going 0-2. But I mean, again, it's it's the same thing this year. We got we got smacked once we got to go to Omaha. And so it's just it's just that same thing uh, going this year. We, we want to get another shot, another crack at it again. And I think it's just like ultimately just going and going to that biggest stage and just being able to perform and play the same. I feel like. Last year, we may have gotten there and tried to do more um, when we got to that big stage rather than just playing the same ways we did the whole year. Yeah, well, before y'all got there, Daniel, you know, he casually talked about the black belt thing. Let me casually throw this number out there, Daniel. In the regional, he hit 600 
with eight runs scored, four doubles, three home runs, and seven RBIs to earn all region honors. Dude, Tommy, what was going – like, you mad at somebody, bro? 600? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, at that point, um, the ball was looking pretty big, and I was just going out there competing. I was DHing at the time. Um, so, I mean, it, it was just fun. I love playing in that big atmosphere. We actually were having a pretty good turnout um, for those regional games. And, you know, when I get to play at a high, high level, high energy, that's when I'm at my best and I'm having fun. So I feel like just that environment kind of just brought that out of me and, and just kind of just kept bleeding over uh, into the rest of the season until now. I, I heard I heard you would have hit 800, but they just stopped pitching to you. They were just <laughs> like, we, we refuse <laughs> to throw any more pitches to this guy. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. We, we we didn't want him to get any higher. But, you know, you talked about what happened in Omaha. And like I said, I'm talking about what's leading up to it. You know, I talked about did it feel different this time. You know, winning Super Regionals now at home in front of your crowd, punching that ticket, um, it's got to it's gotta feel even better than the time before. Even though you've been to Omaha before, going to Omaha is always going to feel special. But also getting it done in front of your home crowd, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So you get there, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I talked about what I got to see you do against Arizona when I was in Omaha the year before. I was unfortunately there for the Arkansas game. And I can tell you the only thing I can do to make you feel better. You may enjoy this story. You may not. I felt bad. I went over to Rockers after the game, and I looked at Stanford on the Jello shot board, and y'all just got beat like that, and – Y'all were also in dead last in the jello shots. And I called Daniel here and I said, Man, I'm gonna do a shot, a jello shot for Stanford. And Daniel goes, I'll Venmo you the money right now. Do a shot at Stanford for me too. So Tommy, oh. we did a couple shots for Stanford. Appreciate it. We definitely needed those too. If you Yeah, it, it it was it was struggling. Hey, you know what? It tells me that y'all are more focused and prioritized on the other things, <laughs> not drinking like the teams from the South, like Arkansas and Ole Miss who had by the thousands. So it just tells me I, you are responsible. I mean, I think it was just more the, the amount of people that were. <laughs> but <laughs> at that game, I didn't want to, I didn't want to call out your fan base for not traveling. 20, Tommy, I left 20, it alone. About like 25,000 Arkansas fans and then like 200 Stanford fans. That's what it felt like. <laughs> it was yeah, a no doubt. Well, it's a lot farther travel from California to, to, Omaha for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I want to get into this season and, and talk a little bit. You know, obviously, um when you come off of stents and seasons where you have great, you know, personal numbers, but also team um meets expectations and they go to Omaha not once but twice. Now you're looking at this season and and just you alone um you know you're on the golden spikes award watch list d1 baseball preseason all-american first team list uh baseball america preseason all-america first team perfect game preseason first team pac-12 preseason all conference and not to mention stanford is in every poll uh coming into the season like fifth or higher um in the rankings you know, when you look at all of those things and where you came from the previous seasons and, and the, the personal accomplishments from there to now, is there any pressure um, or is it that, you know, going to Omaha and, and coming up short and it just gives you the confidence to know you know how to get there and you know what you got to do, you just got to go out and do it? I mean, individually, I've already learned my lesson with putting pressure on myself and, and, you know, listening to all that noise and looking at all that stuff. But I mean, like after last year, I definitely learned just to separate all of that and just go out and play and have fun. I feel like the rest of our teams bought in on that too. Um, it's just to kind of get rid of all that noise. And this is a new team. This is a new club and we're just going to play our asses off. You know, that's just like, we, we work really hard. We try to pay attention to all the details and do all the little things right so that when we go up in the game, we feel prepared and we're just going to go out there and compete. Does, um, what is Coach's take on rankings and social media and what people are saying? Does that, does that even come to the forefront or 
you guys are just so laser focused on the job that you got to do on the field. Like none of that, like it's you. I mean, I don't feel like we take it too seriously. We kind of laugh about it. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember uh, last year when we finally, uh, when we started off one and five in Pac-12, and we dropped below the top twenty-five. Um, we were just making jokes, like, "All right, they think we suck now. We can go. We can go out and play." Um, so, um, I, I remember that being funny. Um, and then going into this year, it's it's kind of the same thing. Where you know, it's it's a new ball club. You know. Uh, I don't think our I don't think Esky really cares too much about the rankings. It's you know we have a whole new team and we're just gonna play that way and just go out and win. So three thirty three, two home runs, seven RBIs. You got five and two record on the start, so not bad. Um, but you know your team expects to be better than that. Yeah. For you though, Tommy, what's the one thing that you feel like you need to improve on? given where you're at currently? Um, where I'm at currently, um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing fine uh, for the way I've been pitched to. Um, some stuff I could do better is probably, um, it was more that like, if I'm going to look at this past weekend, had some stuff on my swing going on where it wasn't really uh, impacting the ball as, ways I, um, as well as I should have. Um, other than that, I felt pretty confident in myself and, been having a really good time out in the field and we've had some pretty crazy games some close games some blowouts so um i feel like we haven't had the start that we wanted but it's kind of the start that we needed just kind of finding our team and finding our identity gotcha so would you would you say obviously you know when you lose two games you you always go well we don't want to lose any games all right cool but the reality is you're going to lose some games being that you're five and two looking at the games that you lost. Is it, is the season started in an acceptable fashion for you guys? Um, I, I wouldn't say yes. I mean, like if we look at the first game that we, we lost game one against Fullerton, um, pretty much top to bottom guys were just probably trying to do too much. We really didn't hit much. Um, and, I mean, pitching wasn't really shaky at all. We just kind of weren't really competing that well. Um, and then game two, we, we flipped it over, competed really well. Game three, the bats kind of started waking up. And then that midweek, we lost again um, against Cal. That that game probably was something that we don't want to experience again, just super non-competitive, um, kind of just rolled over. The energy wasn't there. I remember being super cold. Um and it was just it felt like an easy game for Cal to to beat us. And, you know, um, they, they showed up and we didn't. So I, I feel like it's just a matter of of from learning from that. I feel like early on we can make mistakes um, and it's it's somewhat acceptable as long as you learn from it. Um, and, you know, you don't do the, You don't make the same mistake twice. So yeah. it's fun. The, the crazy thing is, is just given your y'all's success and just the the pedigree that Stanford baseball brings is, you know, the reality is you're going to get everybody's best game. They, they look at you guys on the schedule and they go, that's the team that I want to, I want a signature win over somebody. And they look at you guys and every team says that. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I say that to say, you know, five and two is pretty respectable knowing that and that, you you also you know use it as as kind of that that fuel that motivation to go hey this is a midweek game but the person that's showing up in this midweek game to play us isn't thinking this is a midweek game so we got to be in it we got to bring our a game every single time so yeah. um you know hearing you talk about that kind of you know it, it it just justifies, you know, the things that coach is saying to you guys and the program as a whole. And, and it really validates the reason why you guys have been so good because you, you recognize where you need to be, you know, when you're not hitting the mark and, and you know, you got to do things better, but also you're not going to sit and, and, and rest on that. You're going to strive to be perfect. You're going to strive to do better and strive not to make the same mistakes over. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to fast forward a little bit if we can. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's pro baseball that's in your future. 
Um, and, and I, I'm going to read this strictly from a, a scout, a pro scouting report. It's not a whole lot, but it's just a little blurb. It says, uh, five foot 10, 197 pound middle end filter with balanced tool set. The right, a right-handed hitter has notable power for his size, consistently barrels up pitches and drives the ball to all parts of the field. How accurate of a statement, we'll start with this. How accurate of a statement is that? I think it's very accurate. Um, yeah, definitely. Just the way I hit. Uh, pretty sip quick five foot eight, he said. What's up? I said, sip your five foot eight. Don't lie. <laughs> you know how they always lie on those. They give them a couple no, of Daniel. At five ten. I can't, I embrace it. I I could say I'm five eleven, but I embrace the five ten. So, <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Take that same that same little little statement, that same blurb. By the time it is draft time, what do you want to be at? What do you think needs to be added or what do you want to be added to that blurb? Yeah, I'd say a couple things. Um, first off, being kind of just my approach as I've refined it. I feel like I haven't um, with, with plate discipline and my swing rates and, and this and that and, and swing and miss tendencies um, that I've had early on in my career. I definitely feel like I've polished that up a lot um, starting over like this past summer. Uh, took a big stride in that regard, like just seeing the ball better and swinging at the pitches I should be swinging at. Um, and also just being more patient, not being passive, but being more patient and getting the pitches I want, which has allowed me to be on base and walk more. Um, so I feel like that's another thing that um, I see is going to be added this year is just a refined approach, um, which is just going to make me a much more complete hitter. Um, another thing I would say would be my defense. I feel like I really haven't established my defensive profile as much as I wanted to. Um, so I feel like playing a full season at a position and playing really well, which I know I can um, stay consistent. I've, I've had a great start so far, and I just want to keep that confidence going forward. Um, and then lastly, probably base running. I feel like I haven't made an impact um, stealing as much as I wanted um, so far. So I feel like this year is just a great opportunity to, you know, kind of take advantage of it. You know, I really feel like I can impact the game with my speed. Um, I feel like it's something that's maybe uh, been overlooked. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm, I'm really confident moving into this season. Yeah, I mean, you definitely it's it's everything that I've seen and read and, and the research we've done. Like, that's a pretty accurate statement. And, and based on like if you can add those things that you're saying as far as being able to control the zone, being disciplined, and then you add um the defensive prowess to that like you that's that's a complete package like who wouldn't want to invest in somebody that can do all of that for them let me ask him this tommy you know you you've been playing second base but i had mentioned earlier you know obviously you played shortstop um you can play anywhere is is second day uh, second base on the next level where you think your ideal projection is or do you think you can maybe move over to the other side of the infield I feel like I can definitely move over the other side of the infield. I feel like another thing that's been overlooked is my arm strength too. Um, that's something I've wor been working on um, a lot. Uh, you know, I'm over at third base right now. I'm feeling the whole, I've been holding it down in the hot corner pretty well. I can also move over to shortstop. I played shortstop uh, this past summer and I feel like it did really well. Um, I, I feel like I can really develop um, that part of my game um, in pro ball too. So, I mean, I I'm confident I can play shortstop at the next level. So, let's let's go there is is the draft something that is on your mind at all or are you fully focused on stanford winning a national championship um and then the draft is just the byproduct of all of that i mean i'll be lying if i said i never it never comes across my mind obviously yeah it pops up here and there but i put all my effort into really just focusing on where my feet are just where the season is you know and, and winning a national championship and you're right about the whole draft being a byproduct of winning and that's a, like that's 100 percent true so that's all i'm kind of focusing on this season and i'll tell you this from the guests that we've had on um those who you know obviously there's players that are on the map but when they thrive in the postseason and in omaha watched a lot of guys draft stock go up just from you know there's, there's, you know, there's guys you could be on everybody's radar, Tommy, but you go rake in Omaha, man. It's amazing how much you jump the ladder. Yeah, I would, I would say, just of, of recency, I would say, I don't know, 
if you agree with this, Jim, Landon Sims is a guy that benefited from being on that. Yeah, man, Will Bednar. Yeah, Will Bednar was a projected mid second round pick and I'm going 15th overall. So, yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tommy, dude, we're at the end, man. You ready to you you ready to play a little game and like wrap this thing up, put a nice little bow on this this episode? I'm with it. All right. So this or that, just like I told you earlier, uh give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Just be decisive. I I I know you I know you got this, man. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. So first question is a little layup question, you know, get you kind of in in the group here. West Coast natives, so um are, are I'm assuming acai bowls are are a thing there. I feel yeah. like that's that's y'all's y'all's little little thing. So would you rather have an acai bowl or would you rather go to an In and Out Burger? <laughs> in and Out Burger, all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. See, I I told you it's kind of a layup question. I don't I know. Like, you well, know, we got some guys off here with some health notes. If I was, if I was and, maybe. It, <laughs> if somebody picked an acai bowl over a burger, we would just end the episode. Well, right well Daniel, we've had some guys who are trying to cut weight. We've got some guys who are trying to gain weight. So that's also what plays a factor into it. Oh, okay. I, I, I got you. All right, Tommy, would you rather hit a ton of home runs but strike out a lot or have a high average but don't hit a lot of bombs? You strike, you're striking out less, though, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like the margins would would matter, um, but I guess I would just probably go with uh, hitting for a super high average, less strikeouts. I think he's like only the second guy to ever say that. Everybody else says, give me the bombs. So I I feel like it depends. It it does depend, but I'll I'll go with the hits. Hey, you got to You got to have a a ton of those as well. You got to have guys that can do that, man. And you can't. it's not often, and I don't know, maybe maybe you can, but I feel like you got to have guys that are hard to get out, not necessarily guys that are hard to pitch to because you're afraid that at, at any moment they can hit a bomb, but I think guys that can run the count full, that can take pitches, that can force the pitcher to get out of a, a comfort zone and, and throw more pitches than they probably want to, and also put the ball in play and, and hit for, you know, gap to gap or, you know, get on base, man. Like, those guys are, are – I can appreciate Daniel, that. Daniel, I got a stat for you. I'm going to do this to Tommy. I'm going to bring up an LSU thing on a Stanford episode. Do you know when Dylan went five for five, Dylan Cruz went five for five on Sunday, four out of five of them were in two strike counts? How do you like that? I mean, you got to feel you got to feel comfortable hitting two strikes, especially if you're a hitter like that and the way guys pitch you, they're – I know Dylan Cruz is getting that pitcher's best stuff every at bat. You know, I mean, I love that out of him though. You know, to see a guy be comfortable and still be as confident with two strikes. Tommy, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Since since I brought him up, when people try, like we got you on this episode, and and we've been very complimentary of you and Red Accolades. When people do that to you in person, like if if I'm around Dylan all the time and they say stuff like, "I," he doesn't like to be complimented. He doesn't, you know like hearing his stuff being talked about are you the same kind of way like does it feel uncomfortable when people like sit there and hype you up or or are you one of those people that thrives on like come on tell me more (laughs) i mean it's a little bit uncomfortable i mean a little bit goes a long way for me i'd say and i always appreciate love from other people but i mean yeah it's like you're getting smoke blown up you know you're behind all the time can be a little bit much yeah i mean it's it's always nice to to have people make you feel good but there's a level where it can be you know put you in an awkward position where you feel uncomfortable and like yeah you can always say i appreciate that thank you so many times so many ways before (laughs) it kind of it it gets old but favorite uniform uh red white or black and i'm sure red isn't the color it's probably something else but just cardinal cardinal Cardinal. that's what i figured Black. black black so is is the black like a, a sunday thing or is the black like if you guys win the friday saturday on sunday you can wear the black 
I have no, dude, it's, it's flip-flop. Sometimes we've gone black multiple days in a row because it's hot. Like it's, we've done some weird stuff, but yeah, it's, it's really up to the pitcher. It's whatever the, like the Friday guy wants to wear. And then the Saturday guy picks the next one and the Sunday guy picks the next one. I mean, I feel like black is the jersey you go to when you're out for blood, period. It's true. Hey, that's, those look looks fresh. Those, those look good. All right. Would you – so this is a bucket list question. So would you rather attend a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event? That's a tough one. Probably bucket list sporting event. I, I've always wanted to go to like a playoff or like a World Series MLB game. That would be so cool. I I agree. Like a game seven, like yeah. Who, who's okay. playing, Tommy? Who, who who if in your dream scenario, who's playing in this World Series? Uh I'm gonna go Yankees versus Dodgers. What? what uh, he's going homer. historic. What a, no, what he's going, pick. he's going historical. Don't even do that. <laughs> All right. Would oh, you yeah. rather would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear or a tiger? <laughs> so like here here's what I'll say. This is like you're not going to survive either of these. Yeah. But in the event that you had to try to survive, who do you think you got the better odds of surviving? I'm probably going to have to go tiger. I mean, I see the I I've been, I sometimes pop like uh, videos of like grizzly bears fighting each other pop up on my feed that looks gnarly dude <laughs> for that i feel like i might have a better chance with tiger who knows you, you you remember how you told me you know you guys you came out you know a midweek game against cow and it, you, you just you didn't match their energy and they ended up winning the game yeah that's that's the grizzly bear because these these dudes hibernate a quarter of the year. So, like, a quarter of the year is, like, their midweek game. They're just not doing anything. They're not caring. They're just kind of chilling out. Like, that's when I want to take on the grizzly bear. Yeah. Right then. Well, well, Daniel, we've been asking this question all season. And I actually went to the zoo on Sunday and got to see both these animals. And, man, bro, give me the grizzly bear. Dude, the tiger, I'm telling you, I'm looking in its paws. I watched it yawn yeah. and saw its teeth. I don't want nothing to do with it, bro. And let, let's uh, let's let's think about this. When when do tigers hunt? At night. At, at night. At night. So I can't see in the dark. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's why it's... That's why it's scary. I'll catch a bear slipping when he's eating berries or something. Oh, go. man. Okay. Okay. I'll take <laughs> that. All right. Last question, Tommy, and then we'll get you out of here. And this All is right. this is a good one now. This is the, the best that we got. Would you rather betray your best friend or go to jail for a crime you didn't commit? And so I'll, I'll everyone always asks, so I'll be specific. The betrayal is the worst kind of betrayal of oh, your best friend. There's no coming back. Whatever in your mind that is, that's what the betrayal and is. And then the next question is how long? So, Daniel, how long are you giving them in prison? In prison, it's 10 plus years. So uh, betray your I, best friend or go to jail yeah, for a crime I'm, you didn't commit. Burn the bridge with my best friend, to be honest. That's, that's a great answer. That's I, the, the right I, answer. Ten years in prison, I ruined my life. No, there's so many guys who try to try to be that good friend. They're like, "Oh no, I couldn't do that to my friend." Me, Daniel immediately tells me, "I'll stab you in the back." I will <laughs> stick that knife so far in, I, it would it wouldn't even matter. Hey, I mean, but here's the worst part, Tommy. He said he wouldn't do three days for me. Let look, look, <laughs> look, Tommy. I ain't spending ten years, ten months, ten weeks, ten days. 10 hours i ain't spending 10 minutes <laughs> i told i told i don't know uh randy and i were talking last episode and we said we wouldn't even walk in the waiting area that wow. is so, that's not an indictment on me that's just how bad daniel doesn't want to go into jail look that's man fair. i i know what like 
I'm 38, man. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I've never been to jail, but I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be good at it. <laughs> so I, you know, That's it really is what it is, man. I, sorry, Jim. My bad, but I ain't going to jail. So. That's great. All right, Tommy, man, a, a great episode. We appreciate you coming on. Before you bounce, anything you want to plug or promote? Shoot. I mean, not really. Just hats off to you guys. It's really cool that you you guys are close um, doing a podcast like this. Really, really cool to see. Look, man, I, I had a feeling, you know, and, and you know, you, most guys are very humble. They don't they don't plug or promote anything, but I'm, I'm going I'm to plug you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to put you out there because. I want people to to take a look at you. I want them to follow you. I want them to see what you got going on. So everybody out there listening, I want you to go over to Instagram. And if you want to see what Tommy Troy's doing on Monday night, maybe, maybe he's on a podcast or maybe it's Tuesday and it's taco Tuesday. Who knows? I mean, those, those Cal California tacos, man, they might be, be banging on Tuesday. They are. Uh, go on over to Instagram at Tommy Troy five, or if you want to catch Tommy on the diamond, go on over to at Stanford BSB. You'll get updates, scores, you'll get, you know, highlights, videos, you'll get the whole nine, check them out. You won't, you, I'm telling you, you, you'll love it. It's, it's very, very good Instagrams. And, and I don't say this all the time cause I'm not a social media guy, but when I look at it, you, you got a good one. Stanford baseball has got a good one. So Y'all go Appreciate check it out. Yeah, man. Tommy, dude, it's been a blast. If there's anything we can do for you along the way, man, reach out to us. Thank you so much. It's nice meeting you guys. Yeah, you too, man. And and definitely, no matter what, however the season goes, we want you to come back on. We'll talk about it, man. Awesome, for sure. That's Tommy Troy, everybody. If you like hearing Tommy's story or you just like hearing us average shows, talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always comments ratings feedback thumbs up hearts hugs love great comments feedback criticism we'll take it all man we're just trying to grow the show put the story out there and, and, and really just have some fun along the way we got you guys next week we'll be back with episode 15 where we're going out to knoxville but we're gonna flip the script on you we're not gonna be talking baseball we're gonna be talking lady ball softball with charlie orsini this has been the end off the bench podcast as always remember strong body sharp minds grit and grind all the time we're out <laughs>